Well, what I'm going to be talking about today is a little bit about um, the word success. Everyone know the meaning of the word success? Hands up if you want to be successful in life, in something. Yeah? Is there anyone? Hopefully I get 100% of hands up out there. But yes, I think life is about being, that's a big word, isn't it? A big word, success. And what I'm going to try and unpack today is, well, what is success and, and how do we get there? And try and unpack a big part of that's um, having a goal. And, and a plan. So, and to demonstrate that practically, we're going to make a plan in case it starts to rain. <laughs> so, and that way we'll have better success. So the plan is if it rains, if you vaguely know anything about tech, run to the front and help the tech people pack up. If you don't know anything about tech, grab as many chairs as you can and head for in, in there and we'll somehow rattle together and, uh, and finish, finish uh, spending time together, uh, hearing from God's word and praying. So, and that, that will help us achieve success in getting out of the rain as quick as possible, okay? So we got it? Excellent. So, um, <laughs> what was that, Reed? So what I wanted to do is contrast um, success in three different aspects. Um, a corporate, corporate sense, what does that look like in achieving success in business? Uh, what does it look like achieving success uh, in, in the sporting profession and what, is it, what does it look like achieving success in what we do in Christianity and sort of contrast three highly successful people. I could be one of those three and she said no, no you can't, <laughs> you can't do that, you can't do that. You've got to probably pick some people uh, they be more successful because frankly though, you know, you've got a long way to go. So, um, but no, so what I've done is uh, I've got a little uh, one page handout for you all to follow along. Grab one, pass it on. And uh, I want to start with what I've done on the first page, page one, um, is, is I've got the bios of three highly successful people. And um, I thought we'd just frame in on success for them and what, what that looks like. And so the first person, I've picked someone, one of the most highly successful business people uh, on the planet. And, uh, and uh, I even thought, um, there's actually a lot of successful business women on the planet, and so I picked someone who I think is undisputably one of the most successful women on the planet, and that's Oprah Winfrey. And let's, I mean, let's look at what the world views as, as her success quickly together. So, Oprah Winfrey, American talk show host, television producer, da 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 da, Oprah Winfrey show, 25 years. Um, she's the richest African-American of the 20th century, a multi-billionaire, the greatest philanthropist in American history, um, and um, she's sometimes ranked as the most influential woman in the world. So, not too bad, hey? Yeah, pretty... Well, I don't know, would that meet your definition of success? I reckon it probably would. And then we've got um, probably one of my... Um, uh, God says, God talks in the Bible about not having eyes, doesn't he? But um, it's something I'm working on. Because um, I, I do confess to you all in this public setting that I do idolise this guy, Roger Federer. And so, why is he so successful? So, he's, he's one of the big three, um, and we know who the other two are. He's won 20 Grand Slam singles. Um, he's the person, which I think now that I'm over 40, I, I like to hear sort of that you can still do things when you're old. So, he actually, he's been number one many times, but actually he, he got to number one again when he was 36, which I think is awesome. And he's still playing and he turned 40 next year. So, 
successful this year. So that's exciting. And the other thing about, well, he must be successful because uh, he earned $100 million last year, right? It's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, you know, that's high success, right, when the world judges success. And uh, when you think about that, like, I don't know if you've ever seen him. I, I see him a lot. Uh, when he plays, he's got, he's got these shirts, right, and it just says Uniqlo, right? That's pretty much all you see. And he gets paid $30 million a year just to have a shirt on that says Uniqlo. So that's, that's success. That's clearly what, what success is in the world. So um, then we've got someone else, the Apostle Paul. And, um, you know, we all know his bio, but let's go through that. So St. Paul, we know he started out as a successful anti-Christian, didn't he? A highly successful anti-Christian and uh, rounding up the Christians uh, until one day he had an encounter. Yeah. One of the most famous encounters in the history of this planet. He had an encounter with Jesus and uh, one of the most amazing conversion stories that we all know it. When Jesus that changed his life forever. Then what did he do? Did he achieve success? Let's have a look. I reckon he did pretty well. Uh, 14 of the 27 books of the New Testament are believed to be, uh, or known or believed to be by him. Uh, a lot of what he writes uh, is the roots of theology of many of the church movements that we live today. And if you look on the internet, some people say that perhaps the most important person in the Christianity movement next to Jesus pretty successful yeah so and um, when you're successful people want to hear from you so Oprah Winfrey um, she, she's the most booked person to do opening ceremony speeches at college openings yeah turn up and tell people how to succeed at college for the year and she does these speeches and we're going to unpack um, what she says at some of those speeches as to how you could succeed um, and then you know I've got some stuff here for us around Roger Federer's perspectives on how, how he does it, how he gets there. And then we'll really spend some time on, on what Paul tells us driving into the world. But, but it's interesting to see, um, you know, people would pay good money to go to hear from Oprah Winfrey at a motivational speech. And I'm sure when he hangs up his tennis shoes in a year or so, hopefully two or three or four from now, um, he will probably be one of the most booked motivational speakers on the planet as well around getting people to achieve success. So. So let's go over on page two, and um, what, what Oprah Winfrey bangs on about when she does her opening ceremony speeches is she talks about three things, and it's interesting. She says, believe in the why. She says, you've got to know what's behind whatever you're doing, otherwise why are you doing it? So that's what she starts with, and, and that's what she believes in, and, and how she achieved the success we just read about. And the other thing she, she talks about, um, which is worth reflecting on, is she says, embrace your, your uniqueness, your unique goals, your unique talents, and actively use them. Actively use your gifts. Interesting. Um, and now, slightly perhaps a more world view, uh, but that's, uh, I didn't want to, uh, I couldn't see you as it came to me. So she says, prioritize self-care. Um, if you put yourself last and burn out, you won't have anything left for others, let alone the goals you're striving to achieve. But, um, but, a, but a big point she starts with is the why, right? And the goal, yeah, the goal she has. The goal motivates the discipline. And that's what I really want to talk about today uh, when we get into to what Paul teaches, is that to be disciplined is kind of a 
Let's have a look at someone else uh, and what he says about how, how he continues to do it. So Roger Federer says, what he starts with, I always had the dream. I always look for the long term. And then above that he says, yes, you have to believe in the long term, but you've got to have short-term goals to get you there. And then the things we don't like to talk about often you know, with, with success. You know, we, we, we want, don't we? We madly want, uh, when I go, go on my walk, I madly want all the blessings God offers me. But, you know, look at what Roger says. How did he get there? I practice so much. There's no way around hard work, you've got to embrace it. So, I hear what Oprah says you've got to have a goal, you've got to get there, you've got to work hard, you've got to use your talents and gifts, and then we've got a, another highly successful person getting paid. $30 million a year just to wear the Uniqlo shirt. And he says, oh, I've got to have some goals. I've got to be focused on them. And they drive him. Why did you, why did you practice so hard? Why did you practice so hard? He's focused on his goals. And another thing I really laughed about, he says, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So um, again, that's, that's what he says. Um, interesting. Interesting to think about. And when we get to, you know, um, what God's, what God's saying, right? Because you turn up and you think about, oh, we're going to get to this awkward topic in a moment, and you know it's okay if you want to leave and you don't want to hear about discipline. But two highly successful people in, in their their sphere—that's all they talk about. Learn from loss. It's important to learn from mistakes so then you can become a better player. You'll work harder. No one would be, no one would think twice if they were hearing from Roger Federer around that, would they? Another cool thing he says is develop your strengths. Yes, you've got to work on your weaknesses so your opponent can't easily exploit them, but focusing on your strengths, you can make those shots that the opponent is helpless to do anything about them. Yeah? So, um, some interesting parallels, right? Um, two people, one of the two of the most successful people on this planet, and I checked at the beginning, everyone here does want to have success um, and, and they've achieved success. But success in what? They had a goal, yeah? Oprah had a goal to be highly successful, to achieve a lot, and, and then out of their success, you know, um, they're there for that. And, and, uh, but in a worldly sense, they're the people we look to, aren't they? So let's dive in now um, together and see what Paul says um, in, in Corinthians here. So 1 Corinthians, uh, for those on... Uh, it's not Teams, is it? Um, what's it called? Yeah. Zoom. I was going to say Skype. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, not on Microsoft Teams, you know, when I'm getting your own product, Greg. It's my product. Yeah. Yeah. Morning, Greg. Everyone say, morning, Greg. Morning, Greg. Everyone says, good morning, Greg. Excellent. So, um, so let's dive in. Uh, 1 Corinthians one Corinthians 9.24. And let's see what Paul tells us here. Right? Don't you realise that in a race, everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So, run to win. What Paul says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it, why? To win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. This is Paul saying, so I don't run without a goal. 
And I don't box by beating my fist in the air. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to the others, I myself might be disqualified. So that's Paul's perspective, right? So, and we just read his bio that I put together for you, you know, described as one of the most, or the most, uh, important person to the Christian movement next to Jesus. And it's interesting, when he, when he parallels himself to Roger, he wasn't around back when he wrote this, um, and Oprah, but he's talking about back in that time, this is what the athletes do. Um, and uh, this concept of discipline is uh, its almost a dirty word, isn't it? It's a dirty word. It's like, and uh, so, but what I really want to focus on is it's the goal that drives the discipline. Yeah? He says, here, they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And that's what drives this discipline. We come back, what, what drives Oprah's discipline and success? Believing in the why. What drives Roger to do what he does again and again and again, you know? What drives him when he's in a tournament circuit sleeping 12 hours a day and having a program where he sleeps 10 hours at night, sleeps 10 hours during the day, practice, practice, watch, eat, sleep, that routine again and again and again and again, giving up other things that he'd like to do. Why would he do that? Because he has a goal. He has something he's striving for that drives the motivation, yeah? And so you go, okay, well, what's Paul mean here? Where, well, what's his goal? What is Paul's goal? What was his goal? What was his motivation? And um, let's see what it says here in, in, in Acts. The Lord said to Ananias, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him much that he must suffer for my name's sake. So that, that's what drove him to, to do what he did, to go on those missions, go on those journeys. He was focused on the fact that God met him on the road that day, blinded him for three days, and sent a man to him to say, this is what I want you to do, yeah? He was already a highly, he was on the highly successful track, yeah? He was rounding up the Jews, very, the, the Christians, very successful. He was a successful dude. But um, God, God had a different plan, and uh, and he, his goal changed, and, and, that, and the focus and the discipline around that led to, you know, a lot of the books we study now in the Bible coming from him. So... It's, it's for us, you know, it's believing it, it's, it's believing in what, what God is calling us into and what is he calling us into and what is the goal. Because if you just, I don't know about you, but if you just strive for something um, and you know, that'd be good, you know, and, and um, that'd be nice, you know, quickly, if the motivation doesn't continue, the discipline doesn't go with it, you know. Like, I know Andy's encouraging us to read the Bible every year, right? So if your motivation to do that is to be able to say at the end of the year, well, it's pretty cool. I read the Bible in a year, you know. Guess what? I can guarantee you right here, right now, you won't, you won't, you won't get there. <laughs> you will not get there if that's your motivation because it's not enough, right? It's not enough to, to take that discipline of doing it daily getting into it because 
the motivation of just being able to say a year from now, I can guarantee you it's not going to motivate me enough to work on about you. And I'm a pretty motivated guy. Yeah? So um, we've really got to get to the heart, uh, we've got of, of what is he calling you to do? What, what is he having for you? And, and, and focusing on that. And as you focus on that, it can come. And I've done this. If you just sit here going, I wish I could be more disciplined. Really? No. No, Dave's right. Dave's right. You go home today. I'm going to make a new resolve. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I mean it. You're going to do it. Right? If you focus on the discipline part only, you're not going to get there. Yeah? And and God doesn't want to guilt us into doing things. God, God, remember Paul wrote, it's not just the passage I'm doing today, he wrote most of the New Testament. And there's a lot in the New Testament about grace and love. And, you know, that is the focus of, 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 of Paul's ministry. Yeah, when he went to all those nations and established all those churches, and uh, and so, but it's through through focusing on the grace and the joy that can come from being in intimate relationship with God that can drive the discipline. Yeah, and if we focus on that first, the discipline will come along. Making sense? Good. So, yeah, and I think you know, I think the other thing we do. Well, I do. Uh, um, we focus on success, um, looking at the people around us. I, I had a work event this week where we, we uh, had a team building event and went fencing bowling. And uh, um, everyone was concerned because I'm the boss that I was going to win. Right? Um, oh, gosh, God, Dave, Dave, you any good at this game? Are you going to win? And, um, and I said, oh, actually, I'm reasonably good at bowling. So I said, yeah, I probably will. And um, and I did, right? Um, it killed them, right? It killed the team that I won. And uh, um, and um, you know, one of the team members just kept saying, you know, here he is, he's our champion. He's just he just always wins. You're good at everything, Dave. You're just focused. And and then she she commented after we finished um, bowling. She said, Dave, what was interesting was because we uh, the rule was actually I didn't win. To be truthful, I got the highest individual score. But it was the it was the average score of your lane, and uh, so I spent most of the game encouraging and coaching everyone in my lane how to bowl better. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, not distracting. I was a, I was a nice competitor, but so my goal was I want my team to win. Right? I will make sure I get a good score, and I did. But my my goal was to make sure that they could do the best that they could do for their ability. Yeah, and this is what I'm trying to get to now is we often look at the person next to us, right? And, um, you know, there's a person in my team, I got a 160 or something, whatever, but the person in my team um, that I coached along in the first game, they were on a different team, and they got 30. I don't know if you know anything about fencing bowling. That is ridiculously low. And um, then when they joined my team, they, they got 80, right? Um, and so, and this is what God is. God... What has God rejoiced about that I got 120 in the first game and 160 in the second and I won both games? Does God rejoice about, wow, David's the champion? Right? Or, or does he rejoice in the fact that, you know, this person got 30 and probably didn't really quite enjoy the first game, yeah? Um, and got 80 in the second game because they, they got training, they got coaching, they got discipline, right? So discipline doesn't have to be a negative word. We're going we're gonna to dive into that in a moment, the root of discipline. And, and how it's very closely linked to what 
you know, what God's greatest command for us is, is to make disciples. So, and it is important to know that God is a God of the individual. And he wants everyone to move where? Closer to him, yeah? And, and some people are far, far away from God. And some people are very, very close to God. Saying, He's just calling you. He doesn't care who's ahead of you. He's close. He couldn't care. With your eye on the prize. And the prize is him, his presence, his love. That's what it says. And um, I haven't got that in your handout, but you know, one of the things um, Paul says in find it here, so I've gone off script. It's always bad. Philippians 3, verse 8. It's for Greg and Maggie. Whoever else is here. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of what? Knowing Christ Jesus is my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things, worldly things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So that's what he's focused on. That's his goal. That's why he strives and remains there. You know, where's some examples of Jesus' goal for us, yeah? So, and everyone, you often know it, and perhaps I'm being, it's, uh, I felt like when I put this all together, I'm like, is everyone going to be sitting in front of me? I hope not. But anyway, so um, um, I was a bit worried about that, I confess. So, um, but Jesus' biggest goal for us, it says here, Matthew 22. And it's on your handout for those who like to visually read. Teacher, which is the most in commandment in the law of Moses? Winning $30 million from Uniqlo every year, 10 years. No, no, it doesn't say that, sorry. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. Then he goes on when he left after spending time with his disciples. He says this. Therefore, go and what? Attend a talk with Oprah Winfrey to work out how to be a successful businesswoman? No. Go and make disciples of all nations. Disciples. Note that word. Baptising them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then send them on their way. No, no. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And what commands did he give us? Love the Lord God. Love your neighbour. And um, so that's that's that. And the goal, uh, another thing Paul says in Galatians is, what's the fruit? What's the goal he's aiming for? The Holy Spirit produces these kinds of fruits or prizes. Yeah. Roger wants to be number one in the world. Oprah Winfrey wants to you know, be, be one of the greatest African-American people and move that movement ahead. He says the fruit in our lives of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what's the last one? Self-control. Self-control. Yeah. The toughest one. 
I wish you didn't put that there. I don't know about you. It's probably the one. I'm happy to take all the others. We're always happy with the others, aren't we? Uh, you know, Claire was unpacking the, um, probably get in trouble for sharing too much about family life, but Claire was unpacking the groceries this morning into the fridge and um, uh, one of our kids ran up and wanted to give her a hug as she was unpacking, right? And I love you, Mum. And she's like, now's probably not the time, right? <laughs> you know, now's on sort of right, the fridge is open, I'm trying to get everything in there, like probably now's not the best time. So, but you know, love, but love, we all, you know, love, we'll take it, I'll take it every day of the week. Um, Claire doesn't want to take it when she's unpacking the, uh, but, but, but you know, but she took it after, she took it after, she called him back, she said, don't worry, don't worry, she called him back after she finished packing the, the food away, and because she's, her love language is a little bit different, it's by, by doing, rather than, so she was loving him, she was loving him by going off to Woolies at seven in the morning, so um, that was her love, so peace, yes, patient, yes, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control. So, yeah, so what I wanted to go away with is, you know, and one of the visions for us as a church that Andy and Sarah talk about is that we would make disciples of all nations and that we would, you know, that we would really be journeying together to move where? From wherever we are, one step closer to God. From wherever we are, one step closer. And, and there's this dirty word that goes with it, yeah? Because the root, as it says down here, the, the meaning of disciple comes from the Latin word Oh, this is a tongue twister. Discipulus, meaning student, derived from the root of desire to learn. Disciple in the ancient biblical world actively imitated both the life and teaching of their master. Let me read that again. A disciple in the ancient biblical world actively imitated the life and teaching of their master. It was a deliberate apprenticeship which made that person fully formed, a fully formed disciple and a living copy. Of their master. That's just blessing that place. That's what God's wanted. And then this word discipline also comes from the same Latin word disciplus. And it means pupil. It means to study, to learn, to train. Mm. Really? Mm, Dave. And apply a system of standards. And so really what I'm wanting to go away with today is this concept of external discipline versus the internal discipline yeah so we, often when you think about the word of discipline you think about you know a parent disciplining a child a teacher disciplining a class all that sort of stuff yeah but but really what, what this meaning of discipline is and what, they, what paul's talking about here where he says i discipline my body like an athlete that's how he is working to take a step closer to god and and, and become a disciple, which is what? A living copy of the master. And, and none of us are ever going to, and sorry to let you down, um, but, but short of maybe Rick, none of us are ever going to become an exact copy, right, of Jesus, right? Rick's probably the most likely in the room. I don't know. That could be wrong. We can debate that at the end. So, um, but, you know, what God's really wanting us to do as individuals is, is, is not be focused on the what I should do, what I can do, what I need to resolve to do, and because that's just, never going to work. We're just going to drop it. We're going to not do what we're doing and we're not going to um, move forward. And so reflect. And what I want us to do now is just take some time. Um, take, take, take five minutes now where you are.